You're listening to the She Is Fierce podcast. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She Is Fierce, a global women's network that elevates women's stories and gives you the tools and connections you need to live on purpose. We support female leaders and business owners who are ready to level up in business and life and make their mark in the world. And we partner with and provide speakers and development programs for companies that believe in the power of supporting female leaders and women on the rise. When it helps me, like my business helping me over the years, it's helped my family. We bought a house. I was able to provide my parents with things when they were in need. On our podcast, you'll hear the inspiring stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who have overcome challenges and built purpose-filled lives. And you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at my mission-driven business and learn how to brand and grow your own. Today, I am here with Elizabeth Pampalone, the founder of Absolute Marketing. She is a fierce entrepreneur and a She Is Fierce mentor. Elizabeth is an author, she's an international speaker, an entrepreneur, and an expert marketer with over 20 years of experience. Her innovative approach helps overwhelmed business owners and burnt out nonprofit directors to achieve success and freedom through the power of absolute marketing. So Elizabeth, hello and welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk a little bit about social media and marketing, but I want to start with you, right? I want to start with your story. And as everybody knows, this season on our She Is Fierce podcast is all about elevating women's stories and exploring what it means to live life on purpose. So today we're going to talk about you as an entrepreneur, as a female business owner, as a human being who is out there in the world working to find and follow your purpose. So first of all, can I ask you just to share a little bit about yourself and how you, well, what you do and how you came to do it? Yeah, I'm actually a marketer. I've been a marketer for almost 20 years. And I think I've, I've pretty much feel like I've always done this, but I haven't. I've had other careers too, as short-lived as they may have been. So when I started my business, there was about a year period prior to that, that was really, really difficult for me. I graduated college. I immediately following that got a job as a software developer, which I hated, but I felt like it was a means to an end to eventually get to be a marketing person, which is what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I had this coding skill. So I figured I'll make it extra money now and then do the thing I want later. About two months after all that happened, I got married and right out of college. Yes. Yes. Right after I only went to a two year college. So Oh my gosh, I was 20 and I was married, had a job, had a degree, was doing the thing. And three months into my marriage, my husband left, it was Christmas and I just fell apart. Like I didn't know what to do. I could barely do my job. Like it was one of those type of like zombie situations. All when you were 20 years old? I was 20. Oh my gosh. And I 
didn't know what else to do. So as the divorce was going through, I tried everything and I couldn't stop it. I had to move back in with my parents. I lost everything. I had to quit my job. I couldn't, I couldn't hold my job. And my parents were moving to Florida and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> and I was, we lived in Ohio at the time and I'd been there my whole life. And I thought, why would I go to somewhere completely different where I know nothing? I know no one and start over. And they said, exactly starting over. <laughs> and so I reluctantly agreed and I moved in with them in Florida and, you know, where they had found the house and I was there for a couple of months and I was looking for jobs and I was, you know, a hostess, I was making no money and I couldn't find anything. It was the beginning of the recession. The housing bubble had just burst and nobody was doing anything. It, everything was like locked down almost like no one was hiring. No one was, nothing was moving. And my mom said, you're probably just going to have to make a job. And I was like, well, okay. And she said, just pick two things you like and make a job. And I said, well, I like old people and computers. <laughs> so in Florida, there's a lot of that. <laughs> so I just started calling senior centers and saying, do you have a computer lab? Do you need a computer teacher? And I started teaching computer classes and they said, well, we need help at our homes. Can you help our, you know, fix our printer, that kind of stuff. And I would go to their homes for an hourly rate. And I did that for 10 years. What a wonderful mom to, instead of say, you know, instead of being critical or instead of saying, you know, it's not working out for you, just keep trying. She said, why don't you just think outside of the box and think completely differently about your life? First of all, thank you to your mom. That's amazing. And secondly, can I ask you how in that moment you got up the courage to do that, right? Because listening to that story is inspiring, but then I think the moment of being a young person, especially in the world and then saying, okay, now I'm gonna call up, right? Cold calling is one of the things, especially within our business groups that, that people struggle with the most, right? Because it's a fear of failure, a fear of rejection. And especially if you're in an environment where you're getting rejected regardless of your, your skills and talents, right? During a recession, how did you get up the courage to consistently ask for business? I think it was because when I did the research and I looked up how many there were locally to me, there were like nine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's nine phone calls. I only had two questions that needed to be answered. And then from there, I could figure the rest out. But it was also like, there are only nine options for opportunity. Mm. And rather than going on the job hunt, which I had been doing, there was a lot of opportunity for rejection. That was something that I was looking at it as a different way of not seeing it as here's this pool. You're probably going to get rejected to all of this. And maybe one out of the hundred, you know, hey, needle in a haystack idea, mm -hmm. rather than there are only nine phone calls. And if they're all no's, then you got to try something else instead of it being the other way around as being an opportunity yeah. for rejection. It was an opportunity for opportunity. So instead of thinking about, it's funny because I think I would flip in my own mind, it shows different mentalities, right? I would flip that and I would say like, well, if there's a million opportunities, then I'll just keep flooding the market and something will happen. And I would probably be scared of there's only nine opportunities because then I might get shut down, right? So it's, it's interesting, the different thinking. And I love that you saw that as opportunity, right? So, and even, I mean, you've even touched on kind of a, a common sales philosophy, 
of just let them reject me so I can move on to the person that accepts. One of the things you touched on this already, but you have coding skills, you have all kinds of um, real techie skills, right? And I'm intrigued to how you came from that real techie background and really became a marketer and somebody who focuses in the social media space. And I think very much on content creation and connection. Yeah. I went to college at 18, graduated at 20, you know, got in, got out, got my degree, <laughs> moved on. When I was in college, my focus was to do web design. But mm -hmm. when I went for that and I started looking at that degree, it was all this stuff, learning Photoshop, learning Illustrator. And this was, you know, early 2000s. And it was learning all these things. And I was like, I don't want to spend time on that. I want to actually do the real stuff. Mm -hmm. But I also want to have a skill that's not just as a designer, because I felt like being a designer was a little bit of a, a mark that you could only be a designer. You kind of put yourself in this square round peg hole type situation, you know? Yeah, it's like and, a creative hole, but yeah. Right. And you can't <laughs> get out of that. You can't be the technical person. You can't be mm -hmm. the, you know, the programmer, the coder. And even though the programming and coding was harder, I saw it as a challenge. And I also saw it as, if I do this harder thing, the design thing, which I see as the easier thing will be easy because this is the hard thing. And I can always just pick that up later, pick those pieces up along the way. Um, and I was one of the only women that graduated for that class. I also hung with the boys a lot and got to know, you know, the, the speak of technical, technical stuff, but I didn't understand it the same way. Mm -hmm. And and I would re-explain it to people when they would have trouble or they would have an issue or a, a professor would ask a question. I would regurgitate the information in a different way that was more layman speak. Mm -hmm. And that also gave me an edge when I went into my future careers, whether it's what I do now with marketing or what I was doing with my computer repair company. You know, I'm able to bridge both worlds because I have a foot in both camps. If you're able to both be a specialist, but also be able to communicate that in real, in a real way that most people can understand, it really gives you such an advantage. And I think sometimes we don't always give ourselves credit or we believe that we're, as you said, like I'm good at coding, therefore I'm a coder, instead of I'm great at coding, therefore I'm a marketer, therefore I'm a public speaker. And I love how you have been able to kind of tie those different skills together into a really cohesive business and life, right? And life strategy. So, you know, again, we're exploring this idea of purpose. How do you find purpose in what you've built or what you do? I went to my first networking event. I had never been to one because in that time, because I had been working other part-time jobs plus this, or just doing this, just full-time hardcore, like no breaks, no stops every day, all day long, mm -hmm. teaching in the morning, going to people's homes in the afternoon, teaching at night. I mean, it was nonstop. Yeah. And I went to a networking meeting and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a business. Like this is a real business. And I think my purpose in the beginning was just to help people. Like I know how to do something. You don't know much about it let me help you, you know, cause it's mm -hmm. easy for me to do that. Um, and you can pay me for it, which is even better. Yeah. Um, but then when I started going to networking, I started to realize that the skills I had could be parlayed into business. Mm 
And I could go back to that web design, web programming side of things. Cause I had been doing my own web design for years and it had been going great. And I had been marketing myself really well. Cause I was really busy, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was like, well, there's all these other businesses out there. I could just be doing that. And then when I met my second husband and we got married, he actually, about a year or two into our marriage, he came on to work with me. Oh, wow. He started doing all of the computer repair and I started to build the agency, which I have now. Mm-hmm. And as I started to do that, I started to just kind of parlay things, right? So I was doing the software development, couldn't hold that job because of what happened, went in to be a hostess, which was weird. Then, okay, build this company, which I didn't really know was a company. Then realize, wow, there's businesses out there. Now I can do the marketing thing I want to do. Then as I'm doing the marketing thing, realize that the industry is broken <laughs> and change that, turn it's on, turn that on its head in like four years ago and parlay all of that now into more public speaking and more training and things like that. So it, it just kind of evolves over time. And I think that the purpose is for me is to touch as many people as possible regardless of how much time I spend with them. And Mm. even if everything I've ever done in my business only helped one person, and I don't want it to sound like selfish, like it only helped me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when it helps me, like my business helping me over the years, it's helped my family. We bought a house. I was able to provide my parents with things when they were in need or my siblings. My sister's going to come and work with me. I'm able to provide her a job. Like, those things, even if it just helped one person, it, it didn't though. It yeah. helps so many more people. And for me to be able to help one business owner, get that marketing out better, do that social media posting better. Now that's going to affect all of their customers and all of their employees and their bottom line and their family's future. So that's kind of the purpose for me. You're touching on something that I talk about all the time, which is Really, you know, when you're seeking out your purpose or you're seeking out, you know, we have our our popular passion and purpose challenge, right? So we've had like 30,000 women all over the world have taken this challenge and we know it works because we get lots of amazing stories that come out of it. And one of the kind of core themes from my perspective is exactly what you just said, which I just want to reiterate because that was such a powerful point. And it is that a lot of times I think, especially as women, we think, we can't, we must be doing something for others. And as much as I know you, your business is focused on that. My business is focused on that. It's obviously important to us, but it's okay, especially when you're just starting out to, to serve yourself, right. And to serve yourself so that you can serve others better. And unless you are able, as you said, unless you're financially um, strong, then you're able to buy the house and then you're able to help your family. And I love your examples of that because I think so many women that I speak to within our community and just on the street, at Target, wherever, in conversation, we have a tendency to think if we can't prove that we're doing something for somebody else, then what we're doing doesn't have as much worth. Absolutely. Boundaries are super important and they're the hardest thing to learn. (laughs) Yes, 100%. But um, let me ask you a slightly challenging question. But I would love to hear what your biggest struggle has been. So, I mean, you shared kind of an amazing origin story, right? How you started your business and came to to kind of begin on your journey. But of course, like every everybody's lives, we all have challenges. We all hit roadblocks. 
Is there something that has stuck out for you either in your career or in your personal life that you had to overcome, but has made you more successful or just happier, more full of purpose? So I am still bad at this, but I am also further along than I was when I started my business. Um, and that is when someone says they're going to work with me and then they either ghost me mm-hmm. or they no, never mind, or they get cold feet or the sale just, I don't like, I have no idea what happened. We were all on the same page and everything was great. And it was like, yes, I'm working out the, the timeframes and then never mind. Mm-hmm. Or it's, I can't do it today. I can't do it right now. I decided, yeah. you know, and just having that, like after being through all the rejection I've been through, <laughs> it's like, that's still a little stinging, you know, but I think I've, I've come to a place now with that where before it would just like destroy me for like a week. I would just be, oh my gosh, why didn't they want to work with me? And I'd still have that complex of, I was the only one that could help them, you know, and they're going to get somebody and they're not going to help them. Right. And all this stuff. Um, And I think that now, uh, you know, I'm a deeply religious person and I have come to this point that's, you know, very difficult to remind myself of in the moment, especially when I'm more emotional about what I've just heard from this person and like how my little, the little dreams of that had been crushed, (laughs) you know, Um, is to say, okay, well, what door is this opening? Mm-hmm. not what door was just slammed in my face quite hard, actually. <laughs> or what do I feel like I'm losing, which is mostly what I went to. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we lost a five figure sale mm. just overnight. And it was, there was nothing. I mean, I looked back through everything. I thought of all the conversations. I thought of all the like sales things. I just thought of everything. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. Yeah. You know, there was nothing there. And it was just the person changed their mind. Something happened. I don't, we still don't know, but it was one of those things where in the moment I was just like, so furious, so frustrated. Why in the world is this happening? And I had to remind myself in that moment after I had a good cry <laughs> that like, what door is this opening? Now, obviously I still don't know what the door open is. Mm-hmm. I know that it's somewhere in this corridor, but I have no idea where, yeah. um, but that was a really hard door slam after working on that for several, you know, days, weeks, whatever. Mm-hmm. And getting that, no, getting that rejection after so much investment of time, mm-hmm. it's just very devastating. And I think that that lesson has been the hardest for me to learn. Even still today, it stings, but trying to force myself and semi-successfully forcing myself to rephrase it and say, okay, that was a really big door that I was going to walk through. Now, what bigger door is opening? Because I always feel like things like that were either going to be too stressful. Maybe the person wouldn't pay. I don't know. Like something would have happened Um, or it would have gotten canceled anyway, later after we'd already kind of started the process. So it's like, what bigger door, what other door, what better door is opening next? And so that's the hardest thing, I think. Okay. So I, I love that. And I want to, I want to share something if you don't mind. So there's two things that stuck out for me. One is the idea that you said, it's like you put all this hard work in and then something doesn't pan out. And I know I've had the experience where I will have somebody that we're pitching or even people that we have a relationship with, like a a professional relationship or a paid relationship with. 
And I know that I can do something or we, she is fierce. Our team Mm -hmm. can do something amazing for them. And they, and I'm like pumped up, right? Like I'm very motivated by that. And I will get all excited and I believe in it. And then they're like, well, we're, we're just going to do the smaller version. And I get up, I'm like emotionally invested in the bigger version, right? And sometimes it's not even the financial part. Sometimes for me, it's like, but I know it could be amazing. I don't understand. And I think that, first of all, it's common. So let me just say I relate. And then separately, one of the, um, one of the things that I always do And I just shared this actually with our CEO mastermind circle the other day, it was somebody who had a similar story to what you just shared. One of the things I always do when I have a call like that, whether it's a a corporate call or just a bad call or something negative, is I always immediately turn to a new opportunity. And that kind of touches on what you said. So if I hang up the phone and it's not a, a great experience, I will immediately go pitch or I will immediately do the thing that is what's the next great opportunity that's going to come out of this. And especially like you gave the great example of if you've done all that hard work, well, where can you put that hard work to use? Right. So I love that. And I think, um, at least for my own psychological benefit, (laughs) that has been effective for me to just immediately say, okay, well, who else would this be amazing for? And just go turn around and reach out to that person. So I love, I love that. Um, keeping the momentum going, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so what, you know, through those struggles and through just like work, right? Like life is work. Yeah. And even if it sounds fun and marketing is fun, even if it's something that you get excited about, you're passionate about, um, what keeps you motivated? Probably just my family and, you know, knowing that if I get the stuff done, then I can go and do things with them. Um, if I'm making money and I'm successful uh, and I'm helping others in that, then I can go on vacation occasionally and I can, you know, set aside time for those things. Um, and even like with our house, I mean, that's been a huge motivation for me. We went through one and a half summers with like just horrible windows (laughs) (laughs) and it was so hot in the house and the air conditioning bill was so high and I was very motivated to get new windows in the house. (laughs) So things like that, um, you know, just like those things that they bring me joy, like, and, Mm -hmm. and it's really funny because every time we have a contractor come to the house or we have someone come in, they're like, this is the best house in the neighborhood. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So that's kind of another thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I love that. And I love that you, I'm sure you put financial goals on it because you always have to have a number, but that you attach that to something that actually brings you joy. Right. Because it's so much more motivating than to say, I'm going to hit X number of dollars or X Mm -hmm. number of projects, but instead to think I'm going to bring this thing that's meaningful to me to life. I love that. All right, so um, as we close our conversation, I'm gonna introduce you to something that our podcast listeners are hopefully getting familiar with now in this season. And that is this idea of just kind of reviewing a story that you shared that was really impactful and looking at it through a couple different perspectives so we can think about both for you and I in this conversation, but for our listeners to think about how can they take from your story and really go out and do something with that information or with that inspiration, hopefully. 
And it's three simple questions that I'm gonna just introduce. And then I would love to kind of talk through together. And so the first thing is what was the practical story? So um, since I am your listener today, I'm gonna say that the story that, I mean, you had so many great, great points and different stories, but the one that stood out for me was the first one you shared, right? So going through so much when you're 20 years old, um, you know, getting out of college, going through a quick divorce and then moving to a new state, being with your parents and being in the middle of a recession. That's a lot. That's a lot for a 20 year old to take on. And I actually would imagine that a lot of people who are listening to this, who are either young or just in a place of transition, kind of in this moment in time of being in the pandemic, having you know, economic uncertainty, that there might be people who really relate to that, right? Who've experienced similar uh, upheaval <laughs> in this moment. So you shared the story, but is there anything else about that story that really stands out for you? When I moved back in with my parents, um, I, I had been married. I had been out, you know, I had gotten free, you know, of <laughs> being a kid. And when I went back to their house, I was with them for, I guess, almost two years before I was able to financially, you know, go back out on my own. Um, and I always liken that time to being big Alice in the little house mm-hmm. when she eats the little cake and she just grows out the windows and doors with her arms and legs. Yeah, I felt like that in that time because it wasn't that my parents were really stifling me. I mean, they were their parents. They're going to yeah. do, you know, their thing, but That's their job. they weren't doing too much, but it still felt to me like I was, I had already outgrown that space and here I was back again. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people can relate to that, especially, and then this even happened again when I had to get a part-time job while I was running my company because I couldn't support myself on my own. Mm-hmm. And I had already moved out and I had already taken that step and my business was really not there yet. And I thought it was, but really it wasn't. And so I had to get a part-time job and that felt also the same where I've already been here. Why am yeah. I here again? And, and I feel constricted by this, but it just motivated me in both situations to make each, you know, make the, the opportunities that I had more successful so that I could kind of leave off those things that, that you know, made me feel constricted. The next question as part of this audio divina is um, how has the story touched you? So I already had an answer for that, but now you've just added to my answer because, because I love what you said and I, I appreciate your honesty because I think so many times, especially from, I mean, in particular marketers, right? So people who are business owners or people who are influencers or speakers that we feel that we have to project something that is better than whatever our truth is. Like, even if our truth is wonderful, we feel we have to project something even better. And I know, I mean, you, I'm sure know even better than I do in the social media space, there are tons of people that kind of get caught out because nobody's Mm -hmm. life is perfect, right? Everybody has something that they're struggling with at all times. And I love your honesty in saying, yeah, I was able to find success, but I also had to take a step back. Because I think that's that's the natural course of things, right? We don't just find momentum and then keep going and there's never an, another struggle or another moment where you have to go and say, actually, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So I want to say I appreciate that and that's touched me. And then the second part is really the part about your mom. I love 
Um, I love her like belief in you. And I love the idea that um, her idea of having the two things, find the two things that you care about, that you're good at and follow them. And I think that's a really simple way to start putting purpose into action, right? So she's kind of already got life figured out and we need to have her on <laughs> the podcast. Um, is there anything that this, this about the story, obviously it's like a huge meaningful story for you, but is there anything in particular that has touched you or that you've shared with people that has been really meaningful for you as a part of that story? I think just, you know, the fact that my husband just left, you know, that, that was so, and, and people would say to me, oh, well, it was only three months. Why are you so upset about it? You know, I was married for 20 years and my husband left for some younger woman or whatever, yeah. you know, things like that. And, and I'm like, I can't even imagine, you know, yeah, it was only three months and it was devastating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it's more, not even just the, the thing that happened, like the actual event. Right. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it was the death of a, of a full dream, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, you know, you, you know, have, you can't, you, you can't have kids. Okay. Like that's the death yeah. of a full dream. Like you're done. Like that's it. Maybe there's adoption. Maybe there's not, but like, there's like a, a finality to it. And mm -hmm. I think with, with the divorce, it was that finality for me that this was the person I was going to spend my life with. This is the, the path I've chosen. This is, I'm going to be a wife and, and a career woman and uh, maybe a mother and go on. Yeah. But that was not the path that was there for me. And even though I did get remarried, mm -hmm. I had no idea until basically the day that it happened, that that was like a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I never, you know, even though I, I love my husband and he's amazing and we've been together for 10 years, but at that moment in that time, I was like, well, he could leave any day. Like, even though yeah. I trusted him and I knew him still in the back of my mind was it could be any day now, like anything yeah, at any time yeah. things could just change. And so, um, you know, I think that as for that kind of event or even any kind of event like that, when there's that finality, you have to grieve over those things. You have to go through that process. You have to let that frustration, fear, anxiety, whatever those things are, denial, all the things that go with grief, all the onion, right? Yeah. You have to go through all those layers. So then you can be whole going forward into the next thing. And I think that's something else that the business did for me was I was, I, I drove a lot. I drove a lot and I, I was going from house to house. I was going from, you know, 10 miles away, 20 miles away, an hour, two hours away from each thing. And it just gave me a lot of time to think and to decompress that, that kind of job gave me was interacting with people, being around others, helping other people, having that good interaction, mm -hmm. but then also having time for introspection that I wouldn't have gotten in any other job. You know, mm -hmm. I, if I was waiting tables, if I was working at a retail store, that would not have been the case, um, you know, or working even in my chosen field, you know, I'd be looking at code all day. And so, and it would be stressful but this was not a stressful job. I was fixing old people's computers. <laughs> it's yeah. not stressful at all. Yeah. You know, you said it differently, but it's the idea that you, some, something is a drawback or something terrible happens, but then you don't know what the path is that's going to come out of that. And, and as you said, it's like you, the terrible thing happened, but then the path that came out of it was actually so much better. Right. And of course, you know, when you're in the moment, we never know, we never know what the outcome is going to be. So our last question for this is, what is it calling you to do in your life? I think, and this is just something I've done over the past year. I, I was on um, over 140 podcasts in the last um, 12 months, 
well, going on almost a year and some change now. Um, and when I started doing that, I had my little, you know, script and I was kind of like, this is what I'm going to talk about. And this is what I'm going to stick to. But during the conversations, I have just said things I probably wouldn't have said otherwise. I've had questions that I didn't know I was going to even answer the way I answered them. Mm -hmm. um, and those are all out there on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it goes to what you said about being honest. Like, I don't really care about what people think about me in that way anymore. I used to a lot. And um, I think that it's just, it's, you know, having this conversation with you and, and going through, you know, the exercise we did at the end, I think that's going to just keep me going and, and being honest, because like you said, sometimes these, these speakers and these trainers and talker, you know, people, they, they just get out there and they're like, Oh, my life is amazing. And, and then there's people like, you know, Rachel Hollis and they, they share the near nitty gritty. And then sometimes you're like, okay, TMI, TMI, <laughs> you're like too much, too much. Um, and so I think there's a nice balance between that. But at the same time, when things pass, then I feel like it's good to talk about them. I don't really feel like it's good to talk about them in the moment because yeah. we're too emotional about it. We haven't even processed it yet. Yeah. But after a few weeks, after a few months, um, after a year, as those things go by, we have perspective, we have hindsight. We can say, yes, I acted this way and it was wrong or I acted this way and hey, I did a good job there. Yeah. And so we have that a perspective. So I, I wanna still continue to do that for people and still do that for myself to even still process things that have happened to me in my life. And I can definitely say that, um, you know, over the past year, I've talked about my divorce more than I have in the previous 10, 12 years, 13 <laughs> years since it happened. Um, and it's seeming that it was that long ago, almost like, well, I'm over it now, but mm -hmm. having the chance to talk about it and analyze it with different people in different ways, even for a few moments has yeah. been very, very helpful. So being honest, I feel like is going to still be more of my MO going forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think even as you just said, the idea that you have talked about this thing, right. And been honest about this thing that was hard for you. Like I am kind of projecting, but I would imagine now it's not even really about your divorce, right. It's just about you. It's about you as a person. It's about who you've become and who you're becoming and you're putting it into perspective based on your, your real lived experience. It's more part of the story than the story. Yeah, yeah. I and and there's so much more to it now that it's further back, you know? And um, even last year, I, I had a company that I started and it completely failed and I lost a lot of money. And I talk about that because it happened last year. I've had some months to decompress it. <laughs> At the time, I mentioned it like in a sentence and then yeah. they'd say, you want to talk more about that? I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Never. But now I can, you know, now that's part of the story as well. So, so things like that, I think are good once they've had some space that they've breathed, they've, you know, had their little emotional diffusion, then we can, we can add them to the story, but they're not the story. Yes. Well, Elizabeth, I'm so grateful for your time today. Um, for everybody who joined us and listened to this whole conversation, thank you for being a part of it. It's been a really a pleasure for me to get to know you a little bit better and hear how you have become the amazing person that you are now. And for everybody who wants to get to know Elizabeth a little bit better, she is Elizabeth Pampalone, author, international speaker, entrepreneur, and expert marketer, and the owner of Absolute Marketing. So Elizabeth, where do you want people who are listening to you and inspired by you 
who either want to interview you or maybe have you help them with their marketing. Where do you want them to go to find you? Well, they can visit getabsolutemarketing.com. I have a speaking page. So if anybody does want to have me come and speak, I'd love that. And I also have a free membership. I'm giving back now because I can. (laughs) I have a free membership. Um, You can find that at the bottom of my website. And also I have a free pro toolkit. It's all the tools we use here at the company every single day. And that is at the top of the website. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, thank you again for joining me and for sharing your story. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the She Is Fierce podcast. If you're ready to level up in your life and start living on purpose, join our community of fierce female leaders and women on the rise who are ready to make more money, find more joy, and make their mark in the world. Inside our society membership, our high-level CEO mastermind circle, or at our sold-out live events. Choose how you want to get involved at sheisfiercehq.com.